I'm from the ocean state. And if you rock the boat, it won't be smooth sailing. I hope you're hungry, because this Gorgita Crunch is a fresh out the oven, baby. <laughs> I got, I mean, I just got to pay tribute to who we are, who we are as people. Who we are as people. We are just some tasty little dishes over here <laughs> at AGHQ, also known as Azum Kiki. You guys. It's Andy's Girls. It's episode Leave Me Alone. And I am so excited to be joined by one of my favorite people. I feel like the timing of this is working in our favor. We have New Jersey news. We have Beverly Hills news. We have an Atlanta midseason trailer that dropped literally minutes before we started recording. And there is no one who is better at delivering the news and the tea and the psych behind all of it than senior TV reporter at page6.com, co-host of Page Six's podcast, Virtual Reality, and fellow Marymount graduate, Evan Real. Evan Real, welcome back to Andy's Girls. How are we? Oh my God, thank you for the wonderful intro as always. <laughs> it is such a joy to be here with you on this Zoom. I do wish I was in the actual office, mm. but the Zoom will do. And you're so right. Like there is so much going on in the Bravo universe right now. It just, yeah, I, what's today? The It's Friday, July 7th and everything is happening. I really feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit just in, well, you know this because I, you were very, I think, understanding or possibly confused about the kind of updates that I sent prior to us recording because I said, you know, we would be talking about, you know, new content. We would be talking about um, Orange County and the Miami premiere because <laughs> I have been so out of it from the flood of stuff coming in, trying to avoid spoilers and everything else, that I saw some people post on on Instagram this week, prior to Threads, which is a whole other new beginning, that Miami was premiering this week. And I was like, wait a second, have we all been so lost in the chaos of Kyle and Mo and everything else that we haven't discussed my I was like oh my god I can't believe maybe with New Jersey that Miami's happening and I didn't know about it so I literally was like delayed our recording so I could watch the premiere after getting back from Rhode Island super fucking late last night and then I realized as you told me there in fact is not a new premiere it's that Bravo is now premiering last season yeah, yeah. Do you know what? It would make sense though that because, like you were saying, it's just been like a vortex of chaos in the Bravo world. So it would make sense that like there was so much going on that you're like, oh, I forgot about the Miami premiere. Actually, my coworker Allie, she thought the same. She was like, she was like messaging me like, oh my god, I'm so excited for the Miami premiere. And I was like, babe, <laughs> no. Like it, now I'm, that I'm saying this out loud, I'm like, wait a second, we didn't get a trailer. Why did you, Sarah Galley, think that there was a premiere? And it's like, you know what? It's just hashtag too much tuna. There's just too much going on. And it's hard for me to kind of catch up at a certain point. I feel like it's been a crazy couple weeks, crazy week, 
crazy couple days, which right. is why I'm thrilled that you're here. I have to get your thoughts, number one. There's a lot to unpack, but New Jersey News allegedly came out this week that the cast is staying intact for next season, which will allegedly start filming in August. That means that the friends of are staying the same. I know that was the number one question. And that Teresa and Melissa are both back. As a Gorgita Crunch, what is your thinking about Melissa being back, about Tree? And is this all even correct? It is all correct. Yes, everyone has received a verbal offer to come back. The contracts still have to be negotiated and figured out. And like nothing is signed yet, but like everyone's being asked back. And I'm pretty sure that everybody wants to come back as a as a Gorgita Crunch. You know, my first thought in all of this was, oh, my God, the clip of Teresa saying at the reunion, I can't wait to never see your face again. Well, surprise, bitch. Insert Emma Roberts, American Horror Story meme. Okay. <laughs> Melissa, Melissa's back. She's not going anywhere. As she stated, she's not going anywhere. And so that made me excited. But also, even though I am so team Melissa and I love her in a, a deeply passionate way, I know the value that Teresa brings to this show. And I truly don't think the the show could exist in the way it has existed recently without either like I feel like the show needs both girls and it do and I think that Melissa is aware of that because at the end of the reunion she even said like I'm willing to go with the flow with the way the family whatever needs to happen and I I think also probably in her mind she's like I'm willing to go with the flow for the show because at, at the end of the day like she has fans to serve on on both sides of the spectrum I think that she's aware that this is also like this is a this is a business and you need the, the two pillars in this franchise to uphold the business. Because I do think that, like, the, the pro-Melissa people who think that Teresa should be gone, I don't think they realize that without, you know, the, the conflict that Teresa brings, it's, you know, like, we can't just, like, sit around and watch, like, Melissa, Jackie, Marge, and fessler eating cheese and having a good time i mean although like i like i we love, love that. cheese we love we, dairy <laughs> shout out the dairy industry even though i don't eat it i love that for an afternoon like uh, if i was included in the cheese eating festivities but you know like that does not make a successful housewives franchise that is pulling in more than a million viewers more than a million live viewers in each week which is incredible in 2023 well, okay, I have so many questions for you. First off, do you think the numbers would have been as good if people thought that Melissa and Teresa were both returning? Because there seemed to be an audible sense because we're all watching the same show, albeit, you know, not according to social media, um, that people really thought this was the last time, this was like the last, the final duel that it, we wouldn't be seeing these two people on the show together again because they can't even, as you know, sit on the same panel at BravoCon. So how, how do you think that the numbers would have been as strong if we knew that like the story was going to continue with the same cast? That's a really good point. I I had never thought about it that way, but you're, I feel like there's probably some truth in that people tuning in 
like being like, oh my God, like the, the, the Teresa and Melissa era will soon be over. Let me just really sink into it and immerse myself in this conflict. Cause we're not, this is, this is the end of it. So yeah, that actually, um, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then I, you know, I, yeah. Wow. So uh, with that in mind, it'll be interesting to see how the numbers do next season because maybe people are like oh so like this is continuing on maybe I don't need to be as dialed in as I was this past season but I mean I don't know I feel like people are still going to be very interested to see because I guess my my thing is like I'm excited to see Melissa and Teresa together on camera for the first time and just to see how that goes will they even film together how will producers get them in the same room what sort of event will unite them probably something put together by Dolores as she is the uniting factor in in New Jersey and the thing with New Jersey that's kind of interesting is um you know the breaking of the fourth wall happens obviously as with most franchises uh during the reunion most often most consistently but it has occurred before um where we've seen production or understood production more fully as a part of the actual episodic structure like that episode where Melissa is telling Teresa, you know, the thing that you said is going to be on camera. Like we're going to discuss this on camera. And then Teresa locked herself in a, um, a bedroom or whatever during that, uh, previous season finale. Um, do you think that producers are going to now potentially be forced to be a part of the story when it comes to narrative structure next season is a part of the narrative going to be the fact that these two people do not want to film together? I think that it would be smart for them to lean into that. First of, for, first of all, I'm just so, I, I love a break of the fourth wall. I love a good, clean break. I love when the producers get in on the action. And I think that it really makes sense for the new, for New Jersey to lean into that because so much of the conflict is rooted in the production of it all because we still can't move past how Melissa did or didn't come onto the show whether she would or or whether she did or didn't tell Teresa about coming onto the show but the one thing that really I hear a lot of people shading Melissa talking about how terrible it was of her to not give Teresa a heads up you know and I don't know if she did or didn't give Teresa a heads up like that I feel like there's been so much claimed on either side but the thing is like if they were not in a good place why would she give her a heads up you know what I'm saying? Like, what, I mean, do you have any thoughts about it? Like, d- did she really do something that bad by if she really didn't give Teresa a heads up? Here's where I think this could be resolved. And this is me answering the question sort of in a different way. If okay. Melissa just said, I joined the show, we weren't in a good place. And did I know it would fuck with you? Yes, but I did it anyway. I think we would be in a better place. But the conversation is now specifically about like, did I text you? And what does that mean if I did not? And did the producers contact me or did I uh, contact the producers? I don't think that's going to get anywhere because we're going to be lost in details. And with details in New Jersey, that doesn't always line up, especially when like we're hearing maybe Joe and the FBI, you know, like these things happen over and it's a cycle. And I just think what Teresa might need, which I actually honestly understand is an acknowledgement that regardless of their relationship, Melissa and Joe did not have 
the best of intention in joining the show, that they understood it could harm the relationship or even that they understood that Teresa wouldn't like it, which to me doesn't make Joe and Melissa bad people, doesn't make them villains. It just gives a little bit of a a wink to the fact that their relationship was not good and Team Melissa and Team Teresa can draw from that whatever the fuck they want. I think because we stop there and we can't just have that and maybe it's because Melissa and Joe don't believe it, but I actually think that they kind of get it. So it's like, could we just not, I, and I get why they won't, I, it's literally I'm arguing with myself. I get why they won't extend the olive branch of even admitting that if that in fact is the case. I do think that would help things though, because I think right now Teresa is spiraling in this thing alone and I don't know this is the crazy thing. You know, I'm a Gorgita Crunch. I don't know how fair that is to Teresa to like not accept that regardless of who was more toxic as a sister-in-law, the fact that the show was an opportunity, but also um, potentially a weapon. It was like an additional tool. Right. Like it was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of like Emma Roberts, American Horror Story. <laughs> <Me and laughs> it was surprise, bitch. <laughs> a show I have not seen I think that is um a great point you make though and I honestly I think that if Melissa was sitting here with us on zoom yes I feel like she would feel that and understand that and I think I truly think she would be probably in in her state of mind today in July 2023 I feel like she would be happy to just give that to Teresa like girl I know it fucked you up like whatever like let's move on like come on like let's go I like I feel like I feel like Melissa just needs to sit down with you Sarah I mean, she has before she's I saw her at a New Jersey event, a certain event that you fucking hosted. And she <laughs> said, I told my people I want to come back on. I was like, great, let's do it. And then I absolutely did not follow up. <laughs> so I think that would be that would be something that I would love to do. And it's it's just like it's one of those moments where it's this is the the confusing part of Andy's girls when we talk about psychology and perception and stuff. It's like I'm not trying to avoid the question of it but I'm just trying to reposition it in my head because I'm the way that I process and kind of answer some of these things is I'm like thinking about the end result which is the feeling of being betrayed also connected to the idea that quote unquote these people my sister-in-law my brother are up to no good and the feeling from Melissa and Joe of like what did we owe her if we didn't have a good relationship And it does, there are nuts and bolts here. Did you contact producers on Facebook? Did you reach out to production? Did production reach out to you? Like that I can't answer. That I also think might not ever be answered. But the conversation of, did you know that this would upset me? I think is both an easier and more difficult pill to swallow that I think It gives Teresa a little of what she needs and what she deserves as the person who was on the show. It it becomes a question of like, does she deserve to be told that there are areas of her feelings that are based maybe in how we also felt? I could understand why they don't want to answer that because it could be used as a way to just paint the bigger per picture of the perception of who they are by members of team tree Mm. it doesn't mean it's not wrong right 
I mean, when you think about season 14 of New Jersey Housewives, what do you hope to see occur between the Gorgas and Teresa? Do you hope they kind of like stay in this vortex of hostility or like are you hoping to see some resolution and reconciliation? I just don't I don't see how that could ever happen, but I don't think that I don't think it's sustainable to like live in this space of such toxicity for an entire season. So I don't know. I mean, listen, I was in the minority and really, I think, enjoying um, last season. I really thought that season 13 was really interesting. It was dynamic. I understood perspectives on all sides. And again, this is me not <laughs> answering, Jesus Christ. But I, I left the reunion cycle being very unnerved and like disturbed by Louis's behavior. So mm-hmm. when it comes to the Teresa, Melissa, Joe dynamic, because Louis now has an active role in that, it's like, what do I want to see? I mean, oddly enough, I start off with Louie. Like, I want to see as little of him as humanly possible. I Amen. think stri- strategically for Teresa and Louie, that would make a lot of sense. He did not go over well with the Bravo community, including some people who are Team Tree, who were, shall we say, confused by some of his behavior and repeated consistent threats over the course of the reunion. I think it would, a little Louie maybe goes a long way. So I think that would be a factor. But like, do I want to see them talk? I mean, what does any communication between them mean if we know the only reason they might be in the same room with each other through clenched teeth is because they're filming a TV show and weigh that against the TV show is the only possible opportunity as of right now that these people would ever see each other. So it's like. It's both very artificial and also a little there's a there's more than a drop of hope there completely associated with the fact that they will both be remaining in the cast. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even like think about that. Like this is kind of the this the show is their only hope for uh, the potential of moving forward, because like you said, it's the only reason they would ever be together like if they didn't have this project to to work on with one another then they would absolutely not be in each other's lives so maybe the show can save them who knows miracles happen it's it's like sibling stevia like it's like it's not it's not the real sugar it's an artificial sweetness we understand like i actually don't know anything about stevia so like maybe it came from a plant or whatever i (laughs) I truly have no idea but it's like it's not the thing that we think of it's not the, the foundation of new jersey was like powdered sugar like it was like this is the thing that was always used and now there's a different iteration of that which might be especially manufactured but it doesn't mean it can't produce a sweet response like you know what I'm saying like why am I talking about stevia right now I don't know I think it's because I actually did have stevia yesterday for the first time in many years and I did not love it but like Shout out to Stevia. Shout out yeah. to Dairy, who I, which I don't consume, and Stevia, which I wasn't <laughs> into. I, I, you know, it's like it, it doesn't mean it couldn't go somewhere, but is that going to be too much of a distraction because people are going to understand that, like, the universe of 
R-H-O-N-J, the quote-unquote friend circle now, like, sort of the definition is an extra LOL. Mm, Yeah. I also wonder, like, I feel like there was just a a harder line drawn in the sand, like, after wrapping the season and before filming the reunion. And I felt like Dolores did a really good job of moving through this friend group as she typically does, sort of, you know, getting along with both sides. But I feel like now that there really is like a severe like the the divide has never been more severe I feel like Dolores and I, I feel like she would tell me no 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 I won't Evan but I feel like there might be pressure at least maybe from like Teresa's side to like sort of pledge allegiance a little bit more like I just I I don't know how she does it and it's something that weighs on like that's what keeps me up at night is wondering how like Dolores's mental health is when she has to sort of navigate being friends with both sides of the reunion couch but I think she does I I I don't disagree but I think she does like such a good job of it that it's actually sort of maddening because yeah she's very honest but also she is strategically quiet and it's something she discussed with you at that page six again uh page six event which I highly encourage that if when reality live events happen with page six live that people go because there's an inherent trust I think in how the cast responds and receives both you and Danny like it's you're gonna have fun it's gonna be open but I I do think it's a safe space like I think if Teresa was there on stage she would have a great time I think seeing Melissa on stage she had a good time it's you actually are a little bit of the Dolores of like media in terms of having I think mutual respect or at least like creating an interesting space a safer space for them to navigate stuff where it's not so tribal Mm -hmm. but at that event Dolores was like you know essentially what I do and what I do really well is she kind of like collects information and secrets and relationships and stuff not akin to a quote-unquote arsenal but like she doesn't feel the need or interest in sharing her opinion people tell her things but she's not necessarily going to be the one to be like xyz and I feel it seemingly in her personal life so it sort of makes sense that that's how she stayed inside this universe and friends with these peoples for so many years prior to joining Housewives and now continuing those relationships after. Yeah, no, totally. It's it's an absolute art form. And thank you for calling me the Dolores of... <laughs> I think you are, though. I mean, I really do. I mean, the greatest compliment. I no, mean, that is the greatest. Dolo. Any comparison to Dolo, I will absolutely think <laughs> he is. I, I saw you posted on threads, your top five, and she's... Yes. In your top five and I think that Dolores might be in my top five too she is just she's just good people I love her so much so threads is this new thing that Instagram launched to say fuck you to Twitter and I was I I rolled about it I was like there's no way I'm joining this and I begrudgingly joined it and within 30 seconds I was like wow I turns out I haven't been on Twitter for a very long time and I missed words so um I did post uh who's your top five housewives safe space like every single I'm responding to every single top five it's a judgment-free zone you get to decide however you want to conceive of a top five it's actually quite lovely to see the ways that different people um find a bond with other housewives who is your current top five my current top five well I think uh Dolores love her 
Um, I think Melissa is always going to be in my top five for sure. Um, hmm, I do love me some Meredith Marks. She Ooh. is just wonderful. And you know what? Actually, after spending some time with your, I think, favorite housewife of all time, Shannon Bedore, at The Quiet Woman, and just interacting with her there in, like, a space that, like, it... When I say she's the queen of the quiet woman, like I, that is not hyperbole. She walked in there and like, ev- like the, the, the quiet woman's like, they, they knew to have a tequila martini waiting for her. Like I met up with Taylor, Tamara and Shannon at the quiet woman for a new video series on page six called 24 hours. And it's where you like spend 24 hours with the housewives and people were excited to see Taylor and Tamara, but when Shannon walked in, the energy was just different. And there were people, because it was a Friday night, and so there was there were people in town, I think, to have dinner at the Quiet Woman because they were Housewives fans. And, you know, it's a Friday night. And when Shannon Bedore walks into the Quiet Woman, when you are, like, just a Housewives fan, hoping and, and praying and wishing for any sort of sighting such as a Shannon Bedore set like their worlds were rocked and Shannon was just like receiving people as if she was like the the queen of Orange County was just so wonderful to see and the way talking to her about that Kelly Dodd plate moment and the way that she unpacks it in 2023 just made me really appreciate her because I before I filmed this with them I rewatched that scene and I forgot like how dark it is like the the body shaming portion of it all was just like really disgusting to me i i forgot that that's kind of where the plate toss was rooted um so anyways just seeing her have a positive attitude today she's able to laugh about it like taylor and tamra confiscated the plates on the table like it it was a joke it's light it's like i don't know she was really cool so i think that shannon is in my top five and then i guess i would say I recently have spent time with Gina from Orange County and I have really enjoyed getting to know her. I always liked her. I always found her super relatable. She just seems like that girl you want to hang out with. And then like, I actually did hang out with her and I was like, wow, you are like best friend material. I love her. And I know that some people are not about the Gina and Emily of it all. They, they think they don't belong on a show like housewives. I think that without Gina, Orange County would be missing a, a really important piece of relatability. Like, you, I don't know. How do you feel about Gina? Well, guys, if you could see the way that my mouth contorted itself. I, yeah. You have Gina being on in your top five. It, I listen, I really enjoy Emily on Orange County. <laughs> I also enjoy Gina. I think we're seeing through this forced separation that um, they actually really do have a lot to offer individually um, through Emily not being able to join the trip. Um, it just kind of like opened up, I think, Gina in a way, which I think is helpful. I, I do think they both deserve to be on Orange County. Have I ever in my life heard someone say that Gina Kirschenheider is in their housewives top five. I mean, honestly, this is why I love talking about this because I, I just, it's not to say she's not like giving, but I, in, in her way, I mean, I was on a podcast recently and, and, uh, uh, she speaks Bravo and Emily said, you know, like, how do you feel about, uh, about Jean on the cast? And I was like, gowns, beautiful gowns. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> like, she, but she's good. She's having an interesting 
one might say very important season, especially for her journey and processing things, which I want to talk to you about. But but have I heard her as someone's top five? I just am delighted by this. I really have not heard that. I don't think yet. I love, I love, I love love. I love love. <laughs> no, and I, I truly do love Gina. I wish I could come up with like um a, a cute little fan name, like a Gorgita Crunch, but for Gina. I don't know. I don't know what that would be yet, but I will be working on it. She um, yeah, we just had her on the podcast and she was wonderful. And then she's because she just recently launched a podcast called uh, Orange Country with a gay country artist named Shane McAnally. And it's actually really interesting. They have like some pretty I mean, just listening to Gina talk to a gay guy for like an hour is just that was like it's very on brand for me, Um, (laughs) especially like one from the South, because I'm a gay guy from the South. And I just like put myself in like Shane's love podcast seat you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. um but so she was doing a little press tour for this podcast and she went on Danny Pellegrino's podcast and they had the conversation I have been waiting for okay so I filmed as part of my 24 hours in Orange County I also filmed a segment with Gina Emily and Heather at Javier's which was wonderful after we wrapped up lunch at Javier's I had some time to eat with the girls. Uh, Heather had to go, but Gina, Emily, and I, we just like hung out for a little bit. And I asked them the one question that has been on like the tip of my tongue for years because I am, I'm a fan of Danny Pellegrino. I think he's wonderful, but he calls Emily and Gina hip and casita. And I always wondered like, do, are they, first, are they aware? And if they're aware, do they find it cute and funny or do they find it offensive? And so I asked them, I was like, what do you guys think? Cause I don't know how to feel about it. And they were basically kind of like a little like indifferent about it. They're like, look, like we can make fun of ourselves. We can poke fun of our, poke fun at ourselves. But you know, I think Gina, Gina had more like thoughts and feelings about the situation. She was like, look, I am proud of that casita. I needed to go to that casita. That was like, she, she explains it's, it was very imperative in her journey and moving on from Matt and sort of like healing from the volatile, like split that they had and she said it it was what she had to do for herself and her kids and she is proud of that and I respect her for that but then she goes on Danny Pellegrino's podcast and they talk it out and she's like actually it's funny like Danny a peer of yours and like to be considered a peer of Danny Pellegrino's is just like (laughs) an honor she's like a peer of yours actually asked me how I felt about that so I'm like more than happy to like tell you how I feel about that and then they have a little discussion and they like patch things up and it's all good and you know Casita Gina is thriving but um yeah so I you know listening to Gina discuss her casita made me have more respect for her and her casita and her the the different way that she moves through Orange County whether she's in a casita or a duplex or taking care of six kids or just you know trying to get by like that's my kind of girl and also Danny has such a great sense of humor that like (laughs) to call them hip and casita is so funny to me and so obviously in no way intended to be um, eviscerating because Lord knows there are so many content creators who will do that, who will be cruel. And that's you know, everybody has a different perspective in how they want to engage in the universe of just like Bravo discourse. So I think having not heard that until I saw the clip on social and I love that you were the peer. That's incredible. 
Um, because I watched that video and her use of peer, I was like, why aren't you just saying who it was? She was like trying to be respectful to you, but it's no, like, I wish she would have name dropped me. Like, give me that, give me the clout, Gina. hundred percent. It sounded a little like conspiracy-esque. <laughs> she was like, a peer. I was like, oh, let's have an investigation into that. Um no. <laughs> but but I think it's like so tongue-in-cheek, and I think there is a sense of humor that can be reflected in having conversations that's in that that does like bring up and and be a tongue-in-cheek little wink to the fact that like we truly can't get over many of us that you know Gina was on Housewives and like there's Heather Dubrow with nine billion dollars and then Gina being like yeah like we all share a bunk bed like (laughs) Like, And it's great that she has found, you know, financial independence and is working on that. It's not to take that away from her. It is also just to acknowledge there's a little bit of humor here. And, you know, so I think that's that's great for all involved that she understands that it's a wink and not meant as a sign of like enormous disrespect, truly. Oh, totally. And also, like, I think it should be noted that Gina has really been putting in the work this season, not that she never... not that she hadn't in previous seasons but like in this season specifically she's getting involved when she needs to get involved she's saying the things when they need to be said I feel like she's sort of approaching this season more fearlessly like I love that she like also I love the way that like just in terms of like the Jennifer Pedranti stuff like Mm. I love how she like vacillates between like I can't fucking stand the situation and I got to walk away to, you know, let's be bunkmates in the Montana cabin. So I don't know. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the, um, the polarity of Jean. She's very dynamic. She's dynamic. Yes. I would say she's complicated, which is an ideal character trait to have in a housewife, especially when we've seen for several seasons. What are your thoughts on her processing of, Jennifer and the emotional affair between Jennifer and Ryan, the way that it's being discussed, the way that Gina does appear to be triggered by it. Yeah, she seems to be really struggling with it. And I don't blame her because I obviously that was such a big deal for her and her own marriage. Um, I think that probably what triggered her more than just the fact that Jennifer allegedly cheated on her husband with Ryan was that like the the collective response was kind of like it's okay like whatever like things happen like more like Shannon Shannon's reaction was like oh I feel I feel like especially given what Shannon went through I think that Gina was maybe even like a little bit triggered by Shannon's response because she's like wait am I like going crazy like why are we acting like infidelity is cool So I think there was like that piece of it that was triggering to her because like she experienced it. She was also like, wait, why is no one else alarmed by this situation? And then I think obviously she has like quickly realized that she doesn't want to judge Jen, even if it's hard not to judge her. So she like gives her a chance and an opportunity in a moment, but then like more stuff is unraveling about the whole Jen situation and the like, sending the limp dick pic to heather Mm. the girl from the gym but ryan only has four contacts in his phone why is one of them heather from the gym like it's just it's concerning it is concerning um 
Did I also watch that correctly? Like, am I correct? Like, is that what happened? I don't remember the four contacts, but I do remember that he allegedly sent the limp dick pic intending for it to go to Jen. And it went to this person, Heather, who I don't know that we have met. Um, and then Jennifer's response to that when Tamara's like referencing stuff is to say like, oh, I know he sent it. He meant to send it to me. Tamara's saying, why did you? Why is a 45-year-old man sending a dick pic? And, and you know, her response is like, I know exactly what the text read, so it was intended for me versus I don't know if Ryan was, like, spinning this and saying, and this is what I said to her. I don't know that that excuses what happened, especially receiving photo of someone's penis without consenting to that. I don't love that. Um, yeah. And I, I really don't love it for Jen because so I've been on like my own journey with Ryan and Jen because Jen was part of our 24 hour series. I kicked off the day doing yoga with Jen. It was so much fun. She is just a sweet, sweet person, an absolute doll face, like could not have been nicer. And at that point I hadn't seen the the entirety of the first premiere episode I don't think or maybe I saw the premiere episode but we didn't see much of Ryan in the, in the premiere episode so all I really had to go off of was the trailer and in the trailer I just see this man with muscles and I'm like you know my gay brain is like hot 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 I like this man he looks really good with his shirt off and so I'm like oh my god you guys are like so cute blah 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 he's so hot whatever and then she's like obviously appreciating that and I, I've he is hot like you cannot take that away he is a good looking guy with like a six pack and arms and traps and all the things I love but I went to lunch then with Heather Emily and Gina and I was asking them you know for their thoughts on Jen and then Ryan and I was like oh my god he's like so hot and they all just like looked at me like I was absolutely nuts I was like wait is there something I don't know about Ryan and then I learned throughout the day especially with Tamara Taylor and Shannon um about Ryan and I, I I understood the full scope of Ryan and that made me very sad for Jen because of the way that she spoke about Ryan it seemed like she really is madly in love and there's just like all these red flags so Jen if you're listening to this know that I love you and want the best for you and if you feel as though the best for you is Ryan then I support that but if you figure out that there is something else better suited for you such a sweet lady feel free to go for that Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. 
It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic non-stick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francaise. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. And this is the complicated dynamic of having some sort of friendship who knows how intimate with someone who's like an all-star in Housewives and then joining the cast because 
it's possible that Tamara always thought Ryan was a piece of shit and maybe she wasn't close enough to Jen to share that information or maybe you know maybe it was just like a social kind of relationship and friendship and nothing more and the opportunity on housewives is to say that a person is rewarded for expressing a certain level of dislike especially when the stakes are as high as that other person's romantic partner and so I think for Jen there's probably the shell shock of like wait I thought there was loyalty here because I sort of came into this through you with you whatever and do you really dislike Ryan or are you saying this because it's on camera and how am I supposed to respond it it makes everything like hyper complicated which is one of the reasons that many of us stay so focused on watching and I like feel for Jennifer in that but it doesn't take away from the fact that yeah like he might be a piece of shit how do you try to introduce yourself to the Bravo universe and maybe convince or establish that this person is a good guy. I think that she probably came into this experience with Tamara, like super excited to become a real housewife and then was probably really, really surprised and taken aback when Tamara begins exposing all this stuff about Ryan and like, you said like that's kind of how you're rewarded on it's also part of your job I mean it's to talk about what you know and what's going on in this friend group but she probably did expect a level of loyalty but you know on the other hand Tamara would be a bad friend if she didn't express how she feels or if she didn't bring to light some of these red flag so there's always that she's just being a good friend by expressing her concerns I don't know if she (laughs) I I don't know how like outing that uh Ryan allegedly wanted to fuck her um plays into being a good friend but at least she knows yeah it's like a question of how is this information being utilized is it yeah. being utilized to be to have an aha moment? Is it being utilized to be like, listen, this guy that you're with is a piece of shit and I felt that for a while and now I'm letting you know? Is it a, a little bit of everything? I mean, that's sort of a that's a little bit of a issue that Jen needs to sort of resolve for herself in how she moves forward. I did think what she said to Gina was interesting when Gina was discussing her upset about both maybe people sort of accepting that an affair took place and feeling like that was um approval for an affair like there's there's the response of like okay you guys had some sort of emotional affair or connection and now you are together it's like head nod we understand that happened Let's talk about the complications behind it. Let's talk about the gender dynamics of how this would have worked if it had been your husband doing this versus you yourself, the wife. There is that conversation that can happen. And there's also the idea of someone being like, yeah, affairs are great. Let's do it all the time. They don't matter, which is something that I don't think anyone has said. But I think that's a little bit of what Gina is hearing, that like Mm. the conversation doesn't feel punitive enough around the actual act. And maybe that's because these people don't know Jen. Maybe that's because Jen is so much further along 
since she's already been through the divorce, you know, like she's not still in that place, that like sense of triage. I mean, look at Shannon's reaction. Shannon was in triage for many, many years, including during her marriage and after. It's not Shannon's not saying, you know, this doesn't matter. Shannon is saying there is also a light at the end of the tunnel. And at the end of the day, these two people could not have stayed together, meaning Jen and her ex-husband. But what Jennifer said to Gina, I thought was interesting, was something along the lines of like when Gina was, you know, losing her shit, which is not me critiquing her, but just to say she was very upset. Jennifer said to her, it's not my job to make you feel good about my past. Mm. Which to me was a little bit of an aha moment because it gets into the idea of like, is a person responsible for another person's upset? Is the feeling of upset enough? Is it enough to then say, I am sorry that you are upset for something that happened in my life that has nothing to do with you that I've already moved away from? Like, is it my job to? ensure that you are comfortable enough to hear what I have experienced and what I have done. And I think that's a really interesting response because I think often we have created a culture and an environment where if someone feels upset about what that what another person has said, if someone is upset in hearing what another person has said, or experienced or lived, is that other person responsible for that core, you know, frustration, anger, and hurt? Yeah, I mean, I th- I feel like that definitely was like a moment of enlightenment, for sure. And yeah, that simple sentence, I think, held a lot of power. And I do think that it was probably an aha moment for Gina, because I think that she has been able to sort of get to that space because you know she even told me herself she was like look like I, I can't judge her for the things that she did she has acknowledged like look, it isn't it isn't my life it doesn't really affect me um so yeah there definitely is that self-awareness on Gina's part that it, it's just like her her sort of residual pain from being cheated on the self-awareness has that all processed since the season filmed we're very early into the season do we see more of that during like throughout the rest of the episodes that's a and b with Gina something that I think Shannon maybe intimated was the idea that or maybe it was Heather Dubrow was the idea that like maybe she's not past processing the affair as a wife this woman has been divorced for years. It does not mean that you have been able to process this. And betrayal for Gina is extremely complicated because you're talking about an affair, but that is not the only way that her ex-husband betrayed her. He engaged in acts of such significant physical violence that can leave scars and trauma and the ability to understandably connect so forcefully with upset. And so with Gina, it's like the two-hander of self-realization with me reacting to Jennifer. Does she, does she agree with the idea that she hasn't come to a place of 
or that this upset is coming from a place of processing and also what's behind that upset? Is it the affair alone, which is enough, but is there other stuff there as well? Yeah, I would be interested to hear how she would answer that question. But as you were just sort of explaining that, you know, what she went through was significantly different. I mean, definitely similar, but also significantly different in very serious ways, different than what Shannon went through. And so maybe that's obviously why Shannon reacted to Jen's infidelity way different than Gina has. I also think that in recent years, Gina has been very much focused on sort of like rebuilding her family unit and trying to cope and, and, and healing and like having like a good relationship with Matt and the new girlfriend. And so maybe she's just so maybe she's so um like distracted by all the other aspects of healing that she might not have been able to process or, or heal from like the the betrayal that as you were mentioning maybe that's kind of like the last piece that she needs to take care of and i've you know i haven't experienced anything to the level of what she's experienced so i can't imagine how long that takes and how much work you have to put in to like truly truly fix it yeah and the idea of like fixing trauma especially when it comes from um acts of violence domestic violence with a romantic partner it's not to say when one has quote-unquote healed (laughs) that they're never triggered again you can be healed and continue to feel upset and like a feeling like you're still in that situation when something happens that like affects your core nervous system. And, you know, the idea of like healing from trauma isn't to say that this thing that might quote unquote trigger me is not going to happen anymore. But for the purposes of, of healing trauma, oftentimes in therapy and cognitive behavioral therapy and what is it like DBT too, as well, rather that it's like finding another pathway. So this thing might still upset you. That is still going to happen, but it's also to understand that you might, in addition to that, create another way of responding. So it's like these two universes existing at the same time. The first one is still likely going to be there. And the process of healing is often about like understanding that and also trying to figure out other ways to process and react. The word fixing is is complicated because it's to almost like imply that there's a, a piece that's broken and it's like it's not nece- it's sort of like when trauma happens often you're you feel and, and this is not to speak on Gina's behalf to speak as someone who's experienced specifically what she has but to say that like oftentimes trauma can reshape a person. The process of like healing and moving forward is not to say that you are going to return to the person you were before. It's to say, how do I move forward as the new me? Like, how do I acknowledge the fact that I am different now, that something happened that rocked my life, rocked my universe, and now I might be different as a result. So like, how do I move forward as that new person in a a universe that might have shifted and changed as, as a result of whatever occurred? I think what was incredibly interesting, both in Jennifer's response, which I thought was, to me, came from a place of really, of emotional intelligence, 
which isn't to say Gina doesn't have it as well, but just in Gina's response was also Heather's, which I thought was very unexpected when Gina reacting from a place of upset goes to the car, starts to call Travis and Heather, I keep on calling her Heather Dubrow so that like you don't confuse her with other Heathers on other shows, but Heather Dubrow sits next to her and is like, this is not a Travis call. It's not on Travis. Don't bring this other aspect to him of existing in the place of being the betrayed wife. It's like you're pulling from so many different worlds because when you've experienced trauma and you've survived trauma, oftentimes you're many different people. Oh, totally. And it was it was incredible to see how swift Heather responded in that moment. Like She didn't give Gina a second. I love how like you see cutie little Travis's face pop up on the screen and she's like, we're fine. I was honestly extremely into it and surprised by it. And that was a teachable moment for me, too. I wouldn't necessarily think anything of Gina calling her partner. I would be like, that makes sense to me. Her partner is her confidant. He understands what she has experienced and been through. And I'm sure she processes a lot of that with him. But I think Heather's response was incredibly interesting because it was like the idea of Heather recognizing that Gina is responding to this and her upset is happening because it's happening, obviously, but also because she's processing this still as the wife. And Mm -hmm. we haven't seen her come to the other side of that, understanding that it is a complicated journey. This is not the affair that her ex-husband had. I think we are all seemingly on the same page. It involved sex like it involved a physical affair I think it's all well and good for people to talk about how an emotional affair would be possibly more devastating but that's to assume that a physical affair wasn't also emotional so it's like not a binary in that sense like you can have a emotional affair you can have a physical I guess you're only just meeting up to fuck and then skadoodaloo affair and then you can have one that's both. So it's like we can't assume that a, the physical, a physical affair occurred and that was just it. Did you catch that comment? I think it was made by Heather Debro when they were talking about whether Ryan's situation, I think with like the Heather girl from the gym was like emotional. So many Heathers. Actually, that is a good thing that I said Heather Dubro. Yeah, so many Heathers. So yeah, little you, time. We needed yeah. that clarification. We did. I we think, did. I think that it was described as an emotional thing. And then I think like it was Heather talking to someone, maybe it was Heather to Shannon. I can't remember, but Heather wasn't, Heather Debro was involved. And she was like, I think emotional affairs are worse. And then it made me think of how when Miami was rebooted, how Lisa Hochstein, when she talked about the affair that Lenny had was emotional. And it's almost like this qualifier that it is less um, devastating than a physical one. And I've heard people say, emotional is worse than physical or, or, or the opposite that physical is worse than emotional. And I, I honestly don't even know where I land with that, but what do you think? It's such a good question. Um, such a great connection, by the way, that is absolutely, uh, that was a moment that gave me a little bit of pause that felt like at that point when Lenny and Lisa were discussing this while they were still, you know, working on their marriage, uh, seemingly as united a front as they could sort of appear realistically at that point. Um, 
it was interesting the way they emphasized that it was emotional as if to say that there was less damage as a result. And I just think at the end of the day, you know, which is worse to me? I this is again, this is the world of AG where I'm like, <laughs> let me answer that with a different thing, which is like they're both betrayal. It's it's if you betray me, if it's emotional or physical, I mean, yeah, there's a part of me that's like if you fucked someone else or it doesn't have to be that level of physical in- intimacy, but you know, if there was like physical touch, I do think that would fuck me up potentially more but also if I'm betrayed I'm betrayed it's like I can't weigh the two against each other because I also how do you get scientific evidence that the physical affair wasn't also emotional right like it's pretty uh intrinsically linked I would imagine (laughs) yeah and you know it gets into this conversation that many of these women have had can you trust someone again who cheats. Ryan is obviously a complicated example of that because he himself has admitted that he has cheated in every relationship or situationship he has been in. Yeah, the honesty there juxtaposed against his history of betraying his partners was really kind of hard to wrap my head around. At least he's being honest. Yeah, it's like, could you trust someone who's cheated again? There are couples who have been able to work through infidelity and stay together. That is, that is, you know, relationships are complicated. People have the right to make decisions about whether or not to remain in a marriage that is, or relationship, partnership, whatever, um, however they define it. But it's with Ryan, it's like, are you paying attention to the red flags here. It's not, is he going to do it again? It's like, are you paying attention to who he is telling you that he is and what examples is he giving you that he has changed? Not him saying, I love you enough not to do this, which I would argue puts all the blame potentially on that other person if he does fuck somebody else. But to say like, what has he told you what active work has this man done to change the genetic coding that apparently forces or helps or inspires or just simply leads him to you know have affairs yeah i don't know he just made a tiktok with (laughs) with jen they just launched a joint tiktok together so i guess maybe they can maybe they can figure it out over (laughs) tiktok I mean, listen, this is the thing that I really appreciate about Orange County. I think we're hearing a lot of creators talk about how it's like a a return to form, a renaissance of Orange County. To me, it's giving me exactly what I needed, exactly what I asked for on previous AG episodes after Scandaval, which was extremely intense, and New Jersey, which was intense and became made me feel very anxious by the end of the third part of the reunion, which is like we're having light moments. We're having, I think- we're fighting over IMDb pages. We are having core fights over IMDb, which is the kind of fight that I, I feel a certain thrill in watching but also we're talking about other stuff like there are other layers here it is entirely up to the viewer to decide what it is they want to watch like are you watching the imdb and like it's a thrill ride and they're you know 
fighting and fish's eyes are popping and the women who are like trying to help them on this trip are losing their shit like that show does exist and there's also a show about like gina and understanding complications and incredibly serious conversation around her past relationship and how that that also exists and also ryan is apparently hot i didn't know that i i'm not even joking i like don't see him i can As being only hot. see the, i only see the red flags i am that person see i'm like the the red flags are hiding behind the six pack for me like i gotta like make my way through the abs i mean it's not what is the i think it's like a sapiosexual or whatever if you're like attracted um, to a person's uh yeah, which I don't know that I am, but, but like, I just, he's so much, he's so, he's like a walking, I don't, I'm not in any way. I mean, it's just, there's a lot there not that for I you. like see yeah. first, but good for him. I mean, we'll see what happens there. Listen, before we wrap, we didn't even talk about the Atlanta um, uh, midseason trailer, just initial thoughts. It just came out right before we started recording. Well, I mean, Jerusadora, who I love and adora, she is stealing <laughs> the show. I I love Jerusadora. Really? Um, and I cannot wait to see the rest of Atlanta play out in regards to this movie she's making with Todd Tucker. That looks pretty spicy. I can't wait to see how she ultimately moves through these allegations of having an affair on Ralph with Ty Young, a former WNBA star. That's very intriguing and interesting to me. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on with Drew. Then there's also a Sonya potential pregnancy, but I, I checked in with the appropriate people and I was, I didn't receive a confirmation, so that feels a little teasy to me. So I don't know what happened. Unnecessarily vulnerable. It feels a little cringe to me. Yeah, that feels a little that, cringe. Mm-hmm, the yeah, definitely a little cringe. And then I'm trying to think what else did we see in this uh, situation? We did we see some more of Marlo's dating life. It seems like Marlo versus Candy seems to calm down a little bit. We don't really see too much of that. Um, and then we also see an activated. Kenya screaming in Sonya's face. Although I don't think that is directed at Sonya. I think it's her saying what she wants to say to someone else just with Sonya in the room. That's how I took it. But we'll see. I don't know. When Kenya's screaming, I'm I'm watching. I I thought the edit on the mid-season trailer, I was like, is this a little choppy or is this actually what happens? Because her responding and saying, like, maybe there's a future with Mark, I'm like, that has to be the edit, right? Like that, I feel like some of that stuff, it felt a little choppy to me. Like that, that would be my, my hope was that it was just like a little bit of a choppy versus her being like, maybe we'll get back together. I feel like that or agreeing with that, that I, that feels wild to me. Cause I think on a previous episode, she said that she has the embryos frozen and right. that she's willing to have another biological child with Mark, but there was no sentiment of reignite our relationship so I do hope that's choppy because I know that like Mark has put her through the ringer and I think she can do better but I also like don't I understand the logic of wanting to use one of those embryos regard I mean look at Chloe and Tristan like you know like it is what it is like just I mean they're your embryos Kenya so and that that is potentially Brooklyn's sibling so so go for it I just don't think that 
after everything Kenya's been through and after everything she has said about her relationship and the way that he's really just like dragging her through this divorce, I don't think that she'd get back together with him really. Maybe she's like, you know what? <laughs> the divorce is never going to happen. So, <laughs> right. That's what the edit I was like, it has to be the edit, which is like, that happens. There are moments in yeah. most housewives trailer drops where something looks like it's going to be something else and it might even sound like that and then it becomes something totally different so we'll see what happens there listen before we wrap and i know that we have to wrap kyle and mauricio okay i just it's so much to wrap my head around like when the news broke okay so people broke the news Mm. and at first it said split after 27 years then it was changed to separated so i think that the connotation with split and separated are different like split kind of seems like finite and separated means maybe there's a potential of getting back together well after this the people story came out you know every blog every bravo account every site media outlet is picking it up and some people said separation some people said split I think that on social media we even got like divorce and then Allison Dubois was talking about predicting the divorce and then Kyle and Mauricio hit us with the joint statement talking about any rumors uh any claims of a divorce are untrue we've just had a rough year and we're figuring out what is next and then they spend the fourth of July together and they're putting up this united front and then there is the morgan wade component of it all which to me in their statement when she says there was no wrongdoing on either part that seemed to me to be sort of like a wink to like the morgan wade rumors so there are so many pieces of this and like it's still there's still so much like up in the airness about it because of course page six is tapped into everything that Mauricio and Kyle are doing, saying, posting, etc. And she posted something on social media. It was like a quote about separating is not so sweet or something, something about like parting ways, parting ways is full of sorrow or something along those lines. And we posted about it and it was like, Kyle posts cryptic tweet about sorrow amid separation from Mauricio. And then we posted about that on our Instagram account and Kyle commented and she was like, it was about leaving Aspen. She said parting is such sweet sorrow over a photo of the background, like a beautiful background and tagged Aspen, Colorado. Okay. So then she clarified on our Instagram that it was merely about leaving Aspen. It had nothing to do with Mauricio. And she did like the face palm emoji which I understand and thank you for clarifying, Kyle. But posting about, you know, parting ways and sorrow as you're going through this public separation with your husband that the whole world is so devastated about, you know, the conclusions that people are going to jump to. Kyle, you are smarter than that, Mr. Richards. This is your town. You run, you run this town, baby. Like, come on. You know what you're doing. I do love Kyle, though. I will say, like, if I had to create, like, a Mount Rushmore of Housewives, like, she might be on there. Even if she's not necessarily in my top five, I do think she is an absolute institution and currently the face of the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. 100% agree. And it's a conversation that's going to continue on the AG Patreon. I just kind of want to do a rundown of the timeline of all of this and a little bit of a discussion that's going on in the Bravo sphere on social. And it's one of those things, like, 
you know, I gave a gut reaction when I recorded the last episode because the news broke as I was recording. And there's also the idea here that like, you know, I think people in understanding an announcement about their separation, there was an assumption here that this will lead to a divorce. And it really might not. They may be working through stuff. They might also be consciously uncoupling. We really have no idea. But these are two people who we have seen and and also rumors about, unfortunately, Mauricio, which has become at many points, the framework of uh, moments of conflict on Housewives. Um, I think it's going to be a real to be continued. It does still feel to me like a shock um, and something that, you know, is going to be at the absolute heart of how we unpack next season of Beverly Hills. Like, are we seeing little winks to this the way that Mauricio completely denied and said this is was essentially ridiculous when he guessed it on two t's in a pod like how much of that was based on pushing back against the storyline versus pushing back against the reality of what was actually going on it's going to be like a total tbd so i'm excited to have you back to discuss it listen i've taken up more than enough of your time where can the ags listen to your dolo inspired podcasting (laughs) journey and follow you on social and read all of your incredible pieces on my beloved beloved publication page six well, you can follow me on Instagram at Evan Real, me and my co-host Danny Murphy, who is just so wonderful. Um, we drop new episodes every Thursday, but we've been dropping a lot of like bonus episodes and extended interviews lately. So honestly, it's been like a little chaotic. You get <laughs> you don't know when you're getting a new episode, but you will always get one on Thursday. Um, so yeah. Uh, stay tuned for the full oh, actually the the full Gina episode should be out now. It goes up today. So the extended full Gina episode, we've been talking so lovingly about Gina Kirschenheider. So you can hear me and Danny chat with her and um, yeah, then go to page6.com and look at my stuff. Incredible guys. Follow me on Instagram and threads. <laughs> what? Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Follow it. What's your IG handle? Remind me again. My IG handle is at Evan Real. So you can look. I I think my first and only thread is a reply to you about <gasps> threads as a space a space being for Gorgita Crunches. So that is that's all I got so far. Incredible. So follow us on Threads. We have the same Instagram uh, handles as we do handles on Threads. Yada yada yada. I don't know what. Um. So follow me there. Uh. On Instagram and Threads at Dame Galley. Join the Andy's Girls Patreon. Number one way to support the pod. You get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more. I will be doing a deep dive this weekend and all things Kyle, Mo, and moving forward. At Patreon.com/slash/Andy's Girls. Slide into my DMs on Patreon and Instagram with your long form thoughts. I do also want to thank all of the AGs who reached out after the last episode. I have to tell you guys, I was nervous about recording it. I was nervous as I edited it, and I was nervous in posting it. I didn't want to be um, a downer on the 4th of July um, when I knew many of you would be listening to the episode, but I did also have faith in AGs in understanding hopefully um, what it was that I was um, trying to express. And I 
received so many messages after that episode went up from people saying they talked to their kids about diving prevention, people putting up signs, people reconsidering the ways they thought of uh, diving. And I cannot tell you how meaningful that is to me. I will not be emotional right now (laughs) because I was for so much of that episode and I'm trying my best not to um, again today, BOGO, but just to say I am so thankful and appreciative. Um, as I just mentioned, it really was to me a little bit of a um, an exchange of trust in being that vulnerable and hoping you guys would catch me as I fell and you really did. And I am incredibly appreciative for the level of grace and kindness that was extended to me, which I did share with my mom, who to this day thinks Andy's Girls is a video, I don't know, game possibly, um, <laughs> even knows. But on that note, I wanna thank you guys so much. This was incredible. Oh, you know, being on Zoom with you or in your office is my favorite place to be. Absolutely same. Guys, hope you're all doing okay and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.